Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, the podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and information in the hopes that they'll inspire you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer. And I'm your other host, Patty Marbury. And today we're coming to you with a really interesting topic about psychological safety in the workplace in particular. Now, if you're out there in the listening audience thinking psychological safety, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like something Brandy and Patty made up and they have no, no uh, expertise to be talking about. Well, actually, so, I mean, do we actually have expertise in psychological safety? Not really, no. but I'm not sure it's really um, a field. It's more. Right. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. My point is that it's not a thing like that. It sounds, it yes. sounds, you know, bigger and more mysterious than it actually is. Yes, it does sound bigger and more mysterious than it actually is. But I'll, I'll, whatever, where I was going with that is that when I read um, something about it at first I was like psychological safety that's new and then as I read more about it I realized oh no that's totally not new we've talked about that obliquely in other many other podcasts yeah which I think folks will will see as we mm-hmm. move on with the conversation but to start off with um, psychological safety is a term first coined by an organizational behaviorist named Amy Edmondson which coincidentally was the name of a person I worked with in high school at a Dairy Queen. Probably not the same person. Um, (laughs) You never know. (laughs) (laughs) But what Edmondson, um, what her, her, the, the term she coined refers to is the shared belief amongst members of a group that it's safe for them to share opinions and be their true selves without fear of backlash or belittlement. Mm -hmm. Now that we can relate to, and Mm -hmm. that we've talked about in several other ways throughout the course of Finance Matters. I mean, we've talked about um, diversity and inclusion. We've talked about um, uh, intergenerational workforces and how those things can impact people's willingness to share. We talked about introversion and extroversion Mm -hmm. um, and how that can impact people's ability to really be themselves at the workplace. Mm -hmm work-life balance, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, But this concept helps us to dig a little more in depth into that. So we thought we'd go ahead and revisit the topic a little bit for you all today and um, get a little further into what Edmondson calls a climate of interpersonal trust and mutual Mm -hmm. respect. That sounds really good, honestly. Like, I mean, we have all worked places where you didn't really want to open your mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. The other thing that struck me as I was reading through some of the things um, that some of the resources that we looked at for this podcast today was that they really talk about this um, psychological safe, safety being the sense of belonging. Yes. And um, a lot of the reading that I've done on diversity, equity, and inclusion um, recently talks about the sense of belonging. And in fact, some of the programs are, they are actually call DIBS, which is um, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So, oh. yeah, so I think that's kind of um, important to, to not only think of inclusion, because I think of inclusion as being like the, the active, um, the active uh, 
activity. <laughs> inviting to people to the table. Like. Yeah, inviting people to the table. So it's an action, it's active. Um, whereas belonging is the, sort of the passive. It's the feeling that you have. It's the the sense, the um, the way you feel at work. So feeling safe, psychologically safe, feeling like you belong, feeling like you can trust your colleagues. So why, I mean, obviously I'm gonna ask this question, but uh, it's one of those just leading questions. Why is psychological safety important in the workplace? Hmm. I was thinking about that too. Not not just why is it important, but it's, I I was thinking about it almost from the opposite. Like if you don't have psychological safety. This is one of those um, structures, liberating structures. <laughs> What yes, does a non-psychologically exactly. safe workplace look like? Right. Thinking about the opposite is almost more powerful, I think, because well, you think about if if you don't have that and how you would feel. And what work. you and what you miss, um, what the right. whole workplace misses. Yeah. Because if people don't feel acknowledged, appreciated, respected, they're not going to take risks. They're not gonna speak their mind. Yeah give constructive yep. criticism. Um, they won't stay. Yeah, they won't stay. Um, creativity is basically, basically flushed on the toilet at that part, uh, point too. Yeah, so um, so I do think it's helpful to kind of think about the opposite, but um, I don't want to be negative either. So, so it is important to kind of, I think, think about what are the benefits. Um, Your negativity is making me feel psychologically insane. Yeah. Um, so yes. the University of North Carolina did a study that, um, like you said, Patty, um, talks about the positive uh, associations with psychological safety mm -hmm. and how it makes them feel more trusting and confident and in turn helps them to be more resilient, open-minded and creative at problem solving. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there are definitely a couple of studies that back up what we're talking today and I'll link to those in the show notes. Mm -hmm. But... Um, you know, we've talked about things like, I think we've done a podcast on resilience. I know we've done several on trust. Uh -huh. I think we did that with Lisa Harris. I think we talked about resilience. That's right. We need to have mm -hmm. Lisa on again sometimes. We do. Soon. We definitely do. She's almost like a third host at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we've, we've talked about having, uh, doing another one with her. So let's, let's get that. Yeah. Lisa, if you're listening, works. don't, yep. don't wait. She probably doesn't listen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we thought we, we would work um, into this idea a little bit more. Um, we'll have some practical suggestions before we're done with the pod today. But, um, you know, it might be worth your thinking for a few minutes about your own team. Do you mm -hmm. think that they're, that they feel psychologically safe? Yeah. Um, and what are some signs maybe that they don't? Yeah, one of the... Um... Brandy, you shared the 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 link the article um, articles to read for this, and one and some of them had links to other things, and so I linked out to one of the I don't know where it was in this in the article that you sent, but it was it said to the best way to measure um, whether or not your team feels psychologically safe is to just simply ask the question. How confident are you that you won't receive criticism or won't be retaliated against 
if you admit an error or make a mistake. And I thought that was really good. It's just a very specific question. I mean, it's it's easy, it's harder, I think, or harder really to get an answer by asking, oh, can you are can you share your opinions um, openly? Right. Or can you bring your whole self to work? Do you feel do you feel like you're authentic? You know, you can ask all those questions and people are like, yeah, you know, like I guess so. But when you ask a very specific question about um, if I admit, yeah, yeah, if I admit a mistake, what's going to happen to me? Um, I think that's a very good question to to know how safe your team members feel to say that's very specifically. That's really interesting. I like that as a measure. Long ago mm -hmm. and far away, I worked in healthcare and as a very young comms professional. Uh, and I think it would be more interest. I don't ever wanna go back to healthcare if I can mm -hmm. avoid it, but I think it would be interesting now, like with things that, you know, you learn along the course of your career to go back and look yes. at some of that again. But I do remember um, as a part of our whole organizational training, we had um, training on just culture, mm -hmm. just culture. I don't know if that's a thing that training people know about, but it was particularly popular in healthcare circles because it like speaking up about mistakes or potential mistakes mm -hmm. had a lot more at stake in that environment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, be, being willing to say, I think that's the wrong leg for surgery. <laughs> It's funny that you bring that example up because that's actually um, an, a story. I think it may be a it could be a made up story. I don't know, but um, in crucial conversations in that book, in the book and in the training, there's um, a story about a doctor um, um, amputating the wrong leg. And basically all the steps that went from, I mean, this, I, I think this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but. Um, that gives me the cold chills. I know, but the, this, there were all these steps that, that could have happened where somebody yeah. could have said something um, and nope, and people didn't because to prevent this from happening, you know, like the anesthesiologist, the nurse, the, the, the people prepping the patient and all these people up to. The point and nobody said anything but you know it, it so it is a little bit of a sidetrack it's a little bit of a different topic but but I think the um the point is is that if you're if you're feeling such psychologically safe you are you in that sense we're not talking about admitting mistakes but we're talking about um pointing out al problems yeah alerting yeah. people yeah. to an issue and so in healthcare it might be that question of how confident are you that you could speak up to help others avoid mistakes or whatever. Um, and, and you know, so, there have been plenty of times just in, in the lower, so much lower stakes meetings that we have in yeah, yeah. academia where mm -hmm. you sit there and you listen to people talking about something and you think, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that'll work because of this, that, mm -hmm. or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like with the project, I think that's been the, the workday financials implementation, finance transformation. Mm -hmm. I think that's been so important because we talk about doing things in perhaps 
a, a better way, but it's a different yeah. way. And it sounds great on the face of it. And we talk about it with a few groups and everybody's like, oh yeah, that's great. Until yeah. maybe we get to fiscal administrators and talk about it and folks say, oh, that's not going to work. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And it's great that there it's, you have to have that level of psychological safety if you're not going to make big mistakes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes, but if you're not going to make just an endless row of giant mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so other indications that you might have an issue with psychological safety include um, if your team doesn't really actively participate, share opinions and ask questions, if there's mm -hmm. more time spent um, assigning blame when something goes wrong rather than discussing the causes and solutions and how to prevent things from going wrong again. And if people don't really um, know how to process constructive criticism, um, mm -hmm. negative feedback uh, is taken really badly and yeah. feels like a personal attack. And that could be uh, an issue on both sides, either management or the employee. Um, and when there aren't um, multiple channels for employee feedback, um, right. that can also, that all those things can contribute to well, a feeling well, another, of psychological it, unsafety. Right. Another interesting point is that if it is not psychologically safe, people aren't going to tell you that it's not psychologically safe. They're going to so, say it's great. Everything's great. Right. So, <laughs> so that's kind of hard sometimes to measure um, with, unless you have some kind of anonymous um, feedback. Yeah. Um, actually, in some of the things we'll link to in the show notes, they do make that point that having an, a method for anonymous feedback is really important. Yeah. Before we jump into like the things that you can do to um, encourage psychological safety, um, we've already hinted at some of these things, but let's just talk a, a little bit more about what's at stake, um, like what the benefits of having um, a psychologically safe workplace are, apart from just the things that we've talked about with improving effectiveness and not amputating wrong limbs. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, you already mentioned one. You said that um, a sign of a of not being psychologically safe at work is that people don't stay. And that's definitely oh, right. the number one, that if yeah. you have a psychologically safe workplace, it does increase uh, employee retention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else? Um. Well, we talked about this too already. Uh, and I think this is kind of an obvious one, but um, it makes people feel included. So it fosters that sense of inclusion. Um, empathy, promotes empathy. Um, people feeling willing to share their thoughts and opinions and um, experiences, I think helps others. Um, be feel more empathetic maybe um, and just just that sense of inclusion and belonging. Yes, definitely. If everybody feels like they can be themselves, then you do kind of make those connections and become a more inclusive team that feels like mm -hmm. you're a group, you hang together. Yeah, um, which also, it, so it's ahead. like a, a cycle of retention, right? You know, people yeah. are feeling included, um, feel like their colleagues are empathetic. Um, they feel like they belong, then they'll stay. So 
it's like it one thing definitely feeds into the other. And we've talked about this in the pod before too, but um, you know, how about like being a whole person at work, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. But one of the identified uh, benefits of a psychologically safe workplace that I think fits into your whole continuum that you were talking about there is that it nurtures employee well-being. That if you can be yourself, connect with people when it's okay that you're introverted and they're extroverted or... Mm -hmm you know, you can just be more relaxed and feel better about time you spend with your team. Well, and I know we talked about this um, when we, when we um, had our podcast with Valencia Harvey, um, we talked about the whole idea of covering. Yep. And um, that's one of the things I thought about when thinking about um, making sure that your workplace is psychologically safe and allowing people to be yes. themselves is that that whole thought of covering, so people not being authentic, not being their true authentic selves at work and trying to cover and be yeah. something Laboring else. Under they the think constant is, strain of that, yeah. Right, that they think is more acceptable, then that is definitely not feeling safe um, and um, psychologically safe. and causes stress, causes anxiety, all kinds of things. And so um, I think fostering that sense of psychological safety is um, really important when it comes to employee well-being, way way more important than than we even realize. Well, I'm going to breeze through a couple of the the other benefits that we've kind of covered already about Mm -hmm. it, boosting creativity and innovation, because... Mm -hmm. we can share ideas whether or not we feel like they're good enough to get some airtime, that people can just bounce things off one another, Um, that it improves organizational performance because a part of Patty's continuation, your teams are working well together, they feel safe uh, collaborating Mm -hmm. together, they're more creative, they're asking Mm -hmm. questions, obviously, overall performance is going to be boosted. Yeah. So according to some of the, look at this, according to a Deloitte study, you know anything about Deloitte these days? (laughs) (laughs) Side note to those who don't know, Deloitte is our consulting partner for finance strategic transformation. And like right now, speaking of teams and psychological safety, we're so wrapped up with everybody from Deloitte that Mm -hmm. I was thinking the other day, Patty, about when Deloitte goes away, I'm going to be like a child of divorce. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's right. Can they have visitation? (laughs) Yeah, come back. But according to a study from Deloitte, um, in 2020, uh, 79% of organizations say fostering a sense of belonging in the workforce is important or very important for their success over the next year to year and a half. 93% agree that a sense of belonging drives organizational uh, performance. But interestingly enough, 13% 13% say that they're ready to address this. <laughs> right. I, I found that really interesting, those statistics. First of all, a couple of things. One, um, so 79% say that it's important. Um, 93% say that it drives organizational performance. Um, and 13% say they are ready to address it. Well, I'm thinking, what, why? <laughs> First of all, 
what do you need to do to be ready to address something like this? I mean, to, to me, it's, you could read an article. I, I'm just, maybe I'm downplaying the difficulty of it um, because I just don't really get how, how you have to be ready. Like, what do you have to do? And maybe we, we definitely are gonna talk about some of the things to sure. do to, to be a psychologically safe workplace, but it just isn't that hard. No, and I think listeners can tell from what the things we talked about so far, and definitely as we get into some of these suggestions to improve or promote psychological safety at work, that these are not crazy tactics that no one's ever heard of before or things that are off the beaten path in any way. Yeah, and you don't need a two-year project to implement psychological safety measures at work. We're going live with psychological safety in 2023. Good luck until then. <laughs> until then, it's every minute. Go live, Jade. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> We're flipping the switch on authenticity in July. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's, that's, what I'm thinking like is kind of crazy to think that it's something that you um, that you have to be ready for or get ready for. It's just, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, a, that's it's an overall sense up. of awareness, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's jump into the things here. Yes. Right. Illustrate your point because yeah. I, I think you're totally right. Um, yeah. Now we're working off of a, a nice, um, article from, I think it might be, dad, dad was, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah. you're going to post them in the show notes. They yeah, are. I'll post it in the show notes, but I yeah. think it's Harvard Business Review, maybe not. Don't yeah, think. okay. Um, if, if editing Brandy is listening to this later, um, don't. It don't might be that. Forbes because. Um, oh, yeah. It, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump in. Um, I'll, I'll jump in with number one, engage with consideration and authenticity. Now that just sounds like a bunch of wordy words. What does that actually mm -hmm. mean? Well, in the article, when people want, if they want to read it, it's wordy words, but then also defined with the same words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I found that kind of interesting. It was like, what does it mean? Engaging with consideration with and authenticity is when we in, engage with our teams in a considerate and authentic way. <laughs> That's exactly right. Isn't that obvious? <laughs> but what I think they mean is, um, I don't know. I mean, authenticity, be yourself. Um, and I, I think a lot of the other things that follow from that about the other ways to be to promote psychological safety sort of fit in with being authentic and considerate so it's like everything that follows kind of fits in with what that first one means I agree. And, um, yeah so I mean I think we all know what it means to be considerate so consider other people's feelings um you know be thoughtful and respectful um, respectful. That's a good one, Patty, because the, the yeah. only other sentence under heading number one is the team's lived experience is the only measurement that matters. Yeah. And I, that made more sense to me than the wordy words because yeah. um, 
that comes up a lot in our um, diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations mm -hmm. too, that um, you don't get to argue <laughs> with people's lived experience. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and so if, if a person on a team says, I, I don't feel yeah. safe, or I don't feel like I can give my opinion or my thoughts or then nobody can challenge that. The only thing that matters is what that person feels. Right. So it's like when somebody tells you, um, you hurt my feelings, you don't get to say, no, I didn't. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Item number two, how you can promote psychological safety at work. Don't rush to fix things. That sounds yeah, counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was really good because um, I find this really difficult. I mean, Me so this too. is one that you know, maybe I'm not ready for, no. which, which is, um, I, I especially find it difficult in our Zoom world. Yeah. So silence um, is a lot more deafening in Zoom. Yeah. So what they talk about is um, the powerful tool of warm silence. So letting people, so you ask a question or, and then let people think and don't, and be comfortable with silence for of, you know, a little bit of time, but 10 seconds of silence feels like a long time. Especially so, in Zoom when you can see, actively see everyone's face at the same time. Yeah. And, and you're like, <laughs> especially if you're the one asking the question, you're yeah. like, will somebody please take themselves off mute? <laughs> Everybody's on mute. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's really hard. So this is one that I think takes practice. So don't rush to fix, fix things is what they say in this article, but I think it's all about um, letting people be able to come to their own conclusions rather than you as the leader or the manager. Yeah. And I, I have to say a lot of this, um, this article kind of is geared toward the team leader or the manager, but I think anybody can benefit from yeah. practicing these things. But um, but if you're the one with the expertise or you're the leader, don't always be the one to jump in and, fi and fix things or offer your opinion. Let other people kind of form their own thoughts and opinions. Solid advice. Yeah. Speaking of the, the managerial perspective, the next one is lead with empathy, not ego. Mm -hmm. Now, the obvious thing here <laughs> that they mentioned is not don't be passive aggressive and manipulative. Yeah. Okay, I feel like most of us who are bothering to listen to a um, podcast on professional development will be like, no, God, no. <laughs> right. But let's, right. Let's, let's dig a little more deeply um, about what this one means. Um, I think this is another one sort of like lead with consideration and authenticity um, that just, it, it also sort of defines using the same words. Um, but I think, you know, what they're talking about here is, um, is being supportive of the other person for the other person's sake and not for your benefit, if that makes any sense. Um, so the you can't, yeah, you the can't. The empathy is what you're yeah, talking about there. Right. Yeah. And the ego part, yeah. like it's not about you, it's about them. Right. So, um, so 
being supportive of the team rather than, and it kind of goes along with the other one about fixing things, um, right. um, but being supportive and allowing them to come to their conclusions, to um, give their feedback, to be a good communicator with them, but help them feel, learn to be confident and, and grow. So I think that's yeah. really what that's about. Yeah, that was a little one that we had to wade into a little bit more, but that makes good sense. Mm -hmm. The next one is pretty straightforward, though. Be open to feedback. Yeah, this was hard too. I guess, you know, I started by saying, oh, it's so easy to do this. I don't know why people do. But I think individually, there are some things that um, people just need to practice. And, and being open to feedback is one and not taking things personally. So um be, you know, sharing respectful feedback with others and being able to take respectful feedback on your own kind of behaviors, I think is a skill. Absolutely. And it's yeah. one that gets easier as you go. Yeah, definitely. Next one is building trust by being transparent. Mm, transparency. <laughs> that one gets thrown around a lot in the, the project uh -huh. world. Um, but we're not just talking about like um, keeping um, keeping all your slide decks out on the community. We're talking about all the other steps of transparency too, um, which we do try to do with the, the project, like not um, keep things behind closed doors and make things seem so vague that they cause people anxiety. Yeah. Answering people's questions um, yeah. when people have questions uh, and so answer as direct as you can. And when you truly don't know, say that too. I mean, that's part of being transparent too. Absolutely. So that if you don't know an answer, you can say that. Um, and we've, and we've people tried don't to, think you're just making that up. Yeah, you know? we've, we've tried really hard to do that with the project. And it, it does get difficult because <clears throat> it sometimes feels bad to you as a professional to say, I don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know that yet. Here's when we think we might know, or we know part of it, but not all of it yet. And it can feel hard if you're the person who's getting that answer to trust that that really is true. So it's it's a cycle yeah. again of building trust through transparency. Well, and if you're transparent and and you answer questions directly that you do know, then when you say you don't, you, people do believe you, and they don't question. That. And so that you can still even build trust when you can't be 100% transparent because you don't know the answer to certain things. Um, you, you don't lose that trust if you've been transparent in the past. So I think Makes that's sense. really important. Yep, I agree with you. Next one is approaching issues from a curious perspective. So asking questions, that sort of reminds me of... Um, Jim Ryan's book. Start with why. Yeah. No, not start with why. <laughs> what is it? Wait, no, what? that's Simon Sinek. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Simon Sinek is start with why. And we've talked about I'm going to write one called what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jim Ryan, wait, what? It was our first podcast, I think, or, or one of our first ones. It was. And I will always fully appreciate the fact that that one was kicked off by you just emailing Jim Ryan, I think before he even started. <laughs> uh, yep. 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 
Yes. <laughs> I wonder if he remembers that. Should I email him? <laughs> Maybe we can recreate that podcast and have him come. There you go. Yeah. Um, don't have me email him because I'll say, hey, your great book. Start with why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, so back to the book, Jim Ryan's Wait What, um, where he talks about being curious. And so I, when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's just, that remind me. So approaching issues from a curious perspective. So asking questions. Um, and one of the things that they, in this article they talk about is um, approaching problematic behavior from a place, um, instead, sorry, of approaching problematic behavior from a place of blame, approach it from a curious perspective. And one of the things I, I don't re remember where I read this, but it's this idea of when something, when somebody does make a mistake or is doing something that's a problematic problem or um, is a, you know, like the not, not the right thing to do. So right. instead of like saying, what were you thinking? You can ask it in a different way by saying things like, tell me about um, your approach to this, or tell me what was going through your mind when you did such yeah. and such, you know, so, so that you can really kind of understand what it was that they, what their thought process was rather than asking it in a way that's like, are you stupid? It encourages them to just be defensive. Yeah. Right. So, and it does, I mean, and, and then people can open up and say, well, this is why I did it this way. And this is what I was thinking. And um, these were the assumptions I was making or whatever. And then the person that's asking the question can then, that's curious, can then say, um, get a better understanding of that person too. And so, and then help them, you know, navigate that for the next time in a better way. Very so, good point. That's good. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought of when I read that part. That, that's a really, really good um, illustration. Mm -hmm. The next one is build a culture. It's build a <laughs> culture of team, not talent. And which we're not saying um, don't hire talented people. <laughs> yeah. But don't it, hire it, it, yeah. just for talent. Um, yes, it's not saying talent isn't important. It's saying that that shouldn't be the only thing. So, um, so I thought this was interesting how it said one talent only person, one, not one talent person, but one talent only person. So a person that's there that is just there for their talent, it says can kill a culture. And I thought that was really important. Um, Thought. Yeah, they don't have so, any of the other skills to work together. Yeah. yeah. So working together as a team builds this psychological safety that we're talking about. Um, and I thought that another part of that was um, that people need to feel safe about sharing what they're good at, but also what they're not good at mm -hmm. so that other team members can say, well, I can do that. Um, and I think we do that on our team sometimes. Yes. Um, I think that our team is a good example of psychological safety uh, environment. Gosh, so. I think about the, some of the conversations that the FOC team has had with one another and, and like the, you could call, I mean, I guess it is vulnerability, but like the openness that we have with one another. Mm -hmm. 
um, it means that you do get to pick up on those um, strengths and weaknesses of people mm -hmm. and play to them. But mm -hmm. it also um, means that you have a really fun time. <laughs> I yeah. don't remember if um, having a really fun time was one of the stated benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. psychological safety but I mean it is a side effect of it yeah um, it definitely <laughs> the next build, one builds is, trust and team, yes. team feeling of team and belonging yeah so and jokes yep. and giggling um, yep. building a culture where mistakes are okay I think yeah. we've, we've talked about this one we have talked about that but uh, but in the sense of the healthcare arena yeah people have to understand that <laughs> yeah, and you know, even Melody talks about this a lot, like mistakes, like, or is it Melody that talks about failing yeah. up or is that somebody else? But I don't know, but Melody has talked about, about um, do we have to be perfect? And, and her answer is yes, sometimes, you know, you, when you're dealing with money, you do have to be trust to be, to build that trust as a, to be the trusted financial partner. Right. which is what our goal is or what our mission is right. for our um, organization, then you do have to be, you have to keep mistakes to a minimum. But We're I think- only a million dollars off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that um, when we're talking about mistakes, you know, you just use your judgment about what mistakes are okay and what aren't. But I think the whole idea of learning from mistakes and being mm -hmm. able to admit and accept them especially if you're the team leader yep. um, to be able to say, you know, share a mistake that you've made so that other people feel like it's okay to share as well. Yeah. Mistakes lead to growth in a lot of cases mm -hmm. and definitely there's risk associated with making any progress. So, yeah. So yeah. it just definitely that, that one though, I do think you have to think about what your work is. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next is actively listening. Um, managers have to actively listen and not disparage people or their ideas. Yeah, I think that's, this is one of the ones that I was thinking about when I said, how hard is it to do this? Listen to other people's ideas. How hard is it to do that? But, um, but it may be a, a matter of awareness because even if you think that you are, you know, you're actively listening and you know, you're happy when people share their ideas. But if you don't specifically demonstrate that the team might not know that you mm -hmm. feel that way. So yeah. they in turn might not feel as great about sharing. So yeah, I guess intentionality becomes the issue there. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking even in a meeting today, you and I, Brandy, um, uh, in the meeting, the group was talking about when people um, sort of the opposite of actively listening, which is dominating the conversation. Oh, so yeah. I think that's sometimes hard for people to, um, especially if they're extroverted or talkative or have great ideas or a natural leader, those kinds of people sometimes do have a hard time um, keeping quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just and it, it's definitely not in many cases that they, they have a problem with anybody else sharing. It's just that's who they are. They get excited. Right. Yeah. The next one is creating a sense of belonging. Gosh, I feel like we've mm -hmm. talked about this about a million different ways. Yeah. But... I mean, I think this is the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, 
just that it creating that sense of inclusion, um, building relationships, that it sense of creating a sense of belonging and inclusion is all, that's what is the foundation of building a relationship with your colleagues. Absolutely. So um, I thought it was interesting how they, in the article talked about it being um, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I hadn't thought about um, good old Maslow in a while. <laughs> neither have I, but that, um, the feeling of needing to belong. So yeah. it's a basic human need, food, shelter, right. needing to belong. Um, right. Okay, so moving on, helping employees meet their basic needs. Um, like caring people, uh, caring about people as a whole person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, we've talked about that too. It's, yeah. it's uh, making sure that um, it, it's basic needs. When I first read that, I'm like, yeah, but they're not talking about anything in here about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, <laughs> food, shelter. Um, they're talking about um, loyalty, building loyalty and trust and things like that. So that um, you let people know that you care them, care about them, care yeah. about their, them as a whole person, about their life outside yep. of just work. And um, that that builds the loyalty and trust that you need that creates psychological safety. You know, what's interesting, I think about this sometimes is how that, how the pandemic influences things like this. And I can't help but think that it has had a positive effect because like um, difficulty and challenge were universally experienced. Mm -hmm. And there's an equalizing and humanizing part about that. Mm -hmm. where nobody has to feel necessarily self-conscious about some kind of challenge that they're facing or feel uneasy necessarily because everybody's having it. Mm -hmm. That maybe hasn't been good for the world of work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so moving on, we're, we're coming down the home stretch here. Um, another way to uh, encourage psychological safety at work is to foster support between coworkers. Yeah. Um, so I think this is another sort of obvious one yeah. where you, you want to make sure your team supports each other. And it kind of goes back to one of the other ones where it's like being able to admit I'm, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I'm not good at. So the team kind of supports each other in that area. Um, and it's, it's funny as we're going through these, I'm like, wait a minute, we just talked about that thing. So I know I've been pretty critical of this article in some ways, but I sort of think it could have been five things instead of 15 things. I um, agree. So, but it's- I think they had 15 people they wanted to ask. <laughs> because you should know you're right. the listening audience that these are, these are the opinions given here of um, some folks in the Forbes community, um, some leaders around uh, the business community. So- That's exactly right. That's why it's a little bit repetitive. I didn't yeah. even think about it that- that's so, good. you know, you can take it as like, we're just, it, it's really, um, when you repeat ideas, it drives it home. And if a lot of people, mm -hmm. do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the, the reason I even said that is the next one was promoting openness and inclusivity. And we've talked about that. Yes, we've definitely um, talked about that. But, and, um, and yeah, and letting your team know if you're the manager, letting them know that you support them again as a whole person, um, as in both their personal development, their professional development, 
um, that you and reward. They talked about reporting, rewarding, and encouraging, um, and giving credit for good work as well. Um, the second to the last one is viewing your valuing your staff as humans, not resources or mm -hmm. capital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Investing yes. in employee well-being. That's yep. Good. Yep. And again, they're talking about respect and inclusion, um, compassion and empathy. I like, so we were, we're wrapping up here with the 15th thing. And I think this one um, gets a little bit more interesting um, yeah. from some of the softer ones. Like this is a little bit of a departure from some of the things we've talked about multiple times, yeah. but establishing rules of engagement. Yeah. This is kind of a cool practical one. Yeah. Um, so, I, I know um, you, we've probably both worked in environments where you have like ground rules for meetings and things like that. Right. Um, when I worked, um, I think it was when I worked, oh, it definitely was in HR um, at UVA. We used to have, um, for our leadership team, we had ground rules for meetings and they were printed out. It was when we were all working together in, in the same building and meeting in a room together. Um, back in the what old was days. that like <laughs> in the before in the before times, um, BC before COVID, <laughs> we, we had a, yeah we had a, a big um, poster like on the wall that had the ground rules, um, and I think that's kind of important too. And when we have our discussions um, on diversity, equity, and inclusion discussions, um, we have the ground rules, and so Absolutely. and so. I think it is important um, to have rules of engagement, but then in the article, they talk about consequences for breaking the rules. And I think that's really important. I mean, I think that's a little bit where we fall <laughs> or, or fail, but um, so what should those be? And it's like you said, um, I mean, in HR, obviously I can see where the stakes would be pretty high for some mm -hmm. of the discussions that you're having there. Mm -hmm. um, and the article says not every aspect of the team dynamic needs rules, but there are yeah. definitely some absolutes. And they talk mm -hmm. about confidentiality, for instance. But yeah, there, there are some basics about respect and, um, I don't know, not mm -hmm. being open to what people are saying and listening to the person before you speak, that kind of thing. I think yeah. about our, our DEI conversations and what's at stake when you're talking about those kinds of things. Yeah, that really do need those rules for engagement. Right. And, and you can imagine, I mean, it's not hard to take a leap to how does this connect to psychological safety, that if those rules are broken, then you're, you're really just damaging your work environment as it relates to psychological safety, because people aren't going to feel safe if they think they go into a meeting and people are going to then after the meeting, talk about them or right. discuss what it was that they shared in that meeting or said, what a stupid idea or whatever. I can't then, believe he or she doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. Then um, you're just destroying what you're trying to create. So, you know, as we've talked about these things, it, I, I always compare like the work stuff and the home stuff. And I think these are good suggestions for your family, your kids. Yeah. Um, Especially if you have teenagers, I feel like. <laughs> what? Especially if you have teenagers. Oh, yeah. You need some psychological safety. 
Yeah, you're going to be there soon. Stop talking about it. Stop talking <laughs> about it. I'm not ready. Um, so as, as we've discussed, this isn't like something, psychological safety isn't something you can just go live on <laughs> yeah. switch and have it. It's definitely a learning curve and you're dealing with your own emotions and your own things that you, personal strengths and weaknesses as you work with other people. So it's a constant checking in with yourself and kind of struggling through the things that you're better at and the things that you're not. But mm -hmm. overall, just being aware of the concept and some of these things, these 15 things that are maybe actually five that, <laughs> that we've talked about um, are things just to remind yourself of every now and then, um, reminding yourself to, here we're going to refer to another podcast that we've done, to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. <laughs> our Brene Brown stuff, um, and mm -hmm. accept that you don't always have to say the last word or yep. know all the things can definitely. Yep make your team happier and more empowered mm -hmm. and more productive over time. So 15 things, that's about it for us um, today on Finance Matters. Hope you'll give that some thought and maybe let us know if you, there are other interesting um, resources that you can think to kind of support this discussion. Just as Patty and I were talking today, we kept thinking of other podcasts, other books, other resources that contributed to our thinking on this. So we'd love to hear from you all as well and love to hear from you if there are ideas that you have for things that you want um, to hear about, books that you want discussed, things that you think are interesting that other people might be interested in too. It's always great when it's not just Patty and I talking. Um, so <laughs> if you want to be on Finance Matters, because who doesn't, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> we look forward to the time that we're again with you on Finance Matters. And until then, keep doing good because what you're doing matters.